0: I'm sure you've all heard that famous saying that actions speak louder than words and it's pretty clever saying if you start to break it down because you, you speak using words but this saying tells us that our actions are the thing actually doing the speaking. Our words, our mouth aren't doing the speaking. Our actions are the thing doing the speaking. They're speaking louder than our words are. You know if you're kind of saying, this is what I'm about, or this is what I believe in. Um, it's like, well, actually, your, your words are, have less volume than your actions. Your actions are saying what you're about. Your actions are saying what you actually believe in. And when it comes to learning something about us, our actions are telling someone more about us than our words. They have more volume. They're speaking louder. Actions speak louder than words. And we're going through this, a series right now Um, that I'm calling examples of faith, according to James. And he wrote this letter that we went through in the month of May, and he uses four Old Testament um, people as examples of faith. He uses Abraham, which we talked about last week. He uses Rahab, he uses Job, and he uses Elijah. And we're looking at their lives to see what James saw in them. What does he see in these people, um, and what does he want us to see in them? And what we'll find out is that each of these four people went through a trial that tested their faith, and when their faith was tested, we see that they're people of wisdom. They're people that were walking with God. They're people of maturity, and that's a big theme for James. Last week we focused on Abraham, he, and we saw he was a, an example of faith in action. He believed God, and his faith in God wasn't just talk. It wasn't just this thing that he said, and he but he really meant it. It wasn't just empty words for him. You could see he believed God by his actions, um, by how he lived, by what he did, and the ultimate test of his faith was when he offered up Isaac on the altar. And I think James would have been a big fan of the saying actions speak louder than words. I think he might have actually included it perhaps maybe in that part in in this chapter we just read, and James actually said, show me your faith apart from works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You know, My actions are going to speak louder than my words. Maybe you can say, well, you, you say you have faith, but I'm going to show you my faith by my, my works. My actions are going to speak louder than my words. James said, faith that's all talk is dead. If someone says they have faith, but there's no godly action with it, James would say their actions are speaking louder than the words. They don't have faith that's worth anything. It's like a body that doesn't have a spirit. It's just this dead, useless corpse riding on the side of the road. It's like roadkill. It's not doing anything. And this week we're going to meet Rahab, and Rahab is also an example of faith in action. That's why we read the same passage again that we read last week. But her faith will be shown in a different way than Abraham's, because Abraham's trial tested to see if he loved God more than, if he loved something more than he loved God. That's how his faith was tested. Abraham, do you love something more than you love God? Do you love the gifts God has given you more than you love God, the giver of those gifts? Rahab's trial will test to see if she'll trust God with her own life. We'll see that Rahab had a difficult choice to make. She could trust in herself and in her own abilities like everyone else was doing, or she could trust in God. She could open herself up to God. She could either choose, you know, I'm going to fight against God, or I can open myself up to God and take a risk and, and let uh, can't trust in him so let's set up this story and then we're gonna uh, do reenact it the people of israel were living in slavery in the land of egypt for about 400 years and then god led them out of slavery using a man named moses and he split the waters of the red sea that famous story where they're stuck uh, by the red sea the armies of egypt are coming and he splits the red sea they walk through it on dry ground and then And then they're looking back and all the armies of Egypt follow them and the Red Sea collapses on all those armies and they're safe. And they traveled to Mount Sinai, they worship God there, and there's thunder and lightning, and they get the Ten Commandments and that's like their foundation of their relationship with God and they get other laws too. Then they continue toward the land of Canaan that God had promised to give their ancestors. And the the main ancestor there is Abraham. So we learned about Abraham. He says, I'm going to give this land to Abraham and his family and so now 400 years later here's the family the nation that came from abraham and now they're there we're gonna i'm gonna give you this land god says on the way they defeated two kings that opposed them sihon and og and it's like okay they're you know this nation they're god is blessing them he's leading them he's doing the stuff that he said he was going to do for them and so they camp by the jordan river uh, on the eastern border of canaan they're camped there They're about ready to head into this land that God had promised them. Their leader, Moses, uh, dies there, and he hands over leadership to this man named Joshua. So it's like, okay, the guy that leads them out of Egypt dies, hands it over to Joshua, and they're sitting there camped uh, on the east side of the Jordan River, ready to go into the land. And this is where our story picks up. The people of Israel getting ready to go into the land of Canaan, and this is land God had promised to their ancestor Abraham centuries ago, and they've grown into this great nation like God had promised. He's freed them from slavery. They stand at the border. And Joshua decides, okay, I'm going to send two spies ahead of, of everybody else to check out the first city we're going to conquer. I want you to check out the land. And the first city they're going to conquer is the city of Jericho. So, okay, let's see if we have enough kids. I think we do. Oh, yeah, we have enough kids. So I need a Joshua. Let's see, we need a Joshua. How many do I need? A, a Joshua, two spies, so three, of Rahab, we could have a bunch of soldiers, I guess, so I need at least four, just need four, you know, up to, I guess, a lot of kids. So I need a Joshua. Who wants to be Joshua? Do we have a Joshua in the crowd? A Joshua, in the. does a kid want to be a Joshua? You just probably have to wear, you know, we're going we're gonna to stay socially distant and all that good stuff. Who wants to be Joshua? Anybody? Any takers? Joshua? I promise you're not going to get tickled or anything or squirted with water. Anybody want to be Joshua? No one wants to be Joshua? Are you serious? Laurel's going to be Joshua? Are you kidding me? There's all these kids in the crowd. Nobody wants to be Joshua? Okay. Ty wants to be Joshua? No. Okay. Well, we need two spies. Anybody want to be two spies? No. We need two spies. We need a Rahab. You want to be Rahab? Really? Really? Okay. The adults are gonna act as out. Okay. Now, don't get too close to each other, you know, because you know this—that's how they did. This is how they did it back in the day. They didn't get close to each other. And we need who wants to be Rahab? We're two two spies. Two. are want to be two? Ooh, Dan. And Jack's gonna be the two spies. Sweet. Okay. Whoever we'll have a Rahab. Ooh, thanks, Larry. Okay, so we need to uh, bring this with. Well, actually, I can keep it there, it'll keep recording. I'll turn this so our, our viewers at home can see all the action, hopefully. Woo! There, there we go. Okay, so who's who? Okay, I mean, that fits more. Rahab the girl. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Joshua, you'll go over there. over there. Rahab's in here living in Jericho. This is the city. You guys are citizens of Jericho, or you're going to get destroyed. <laughs> but, uh, spoiler alert. Okay, Rahab lives here. Joshua, two spies, and uh, let's see. And then we need uh, some soldiers. Does anybody want to be soldiers? Anybody? No one from the Dom Clan wants to be a soldier. Getting too old? Are you serious? Come on, you two, get out here! Come on, soldiers. We haven't seen you in a couple years. You can't get older when we don't see you. (laughs) All right. When the time comes, a soldier is gonna gonna volunteer themselves. Okay. So, so Joshua, where's Joshua? Joshua, say to your two spies, I guess we have one spy, (laughs) say to your two, your spy, oh Brian's coming, good. Yes, oh, these these are good looking spies. Joshua, say to your two spies, go check out the land, especially Jericho. Go check out the land, especially Jericho. Okay, two spies, go check out the land. So they go into the city, go into the city gate, maintain social distance, maintain social distance. Good, 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 good. They go into Jericho. Now they came into the house of uh, now Rahab's called a prostitute, but you know this isn't necessarily like you know something fishy's going on because she might have been they kind of had like dual occupations, like running kind of like an inn, you know, a place where people could sleep, and but might have been other things going on too. But uh, so they come and they stay there. And they're like, okay, where's is, where is the place you get information? You go to the place where a bunch of people are staying. It's like, okay, they're staying undercover. You go to the place where people can get information and stuff. Uh, but now it's told to the king of Jericho. Oh, I forgot we need a king of Jericho. Okay, we need some soldiers. Hannah's going to be the king of Jericho? Okay. <laughs> you're for the good role. Dwayne's... You're, <laughs> you're for a you want to grow. Josiah, can you be a soldier? Josiah and Matthew, you guys are going to be soldiers. I'm going to... Alright, King of Jericho, say to the soldiers, uh, go check out the land, or no, no, sorry, we already did that part. Uh, just say, tell them, hey, the, some people came to check out, uh, people of Israel came to search out the land. Or no, wait, the soldiers are supposed to say that. No, okay, Josiah, you say to Hannah, spies have come. Perfect. (laughs) That was awesome. Uh, but what the king didn't know is that Rahab had decided to hide the spies, so oh, I forgot to bring a blanket. So you guys got to kind of like tuck behind, the box. Tuck, tuck behind the box. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> now, then the king of Jericho said, <laughs> sent to Rahab. Uh, sent, now you, we got some soldiers. Are you guys willing to come over here and be soldiers? I know. This is all part of the routine. You guys are, you guys are uh, taking one for the team here. It's perfect. But the king gets to stay there because, you know, I mean, you can come if you want, but... uh, So now, the soldiers come to Rahab's house. You guys are doing a great job. And now the soldiers say, Bring out the men who've come to you who entered your house, for they've come to search out the land. I I read it for you. It's okay. It's long. Uh, But but Rahab had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, I'll say this for you. It's kind of long. True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, so the gate's closed, it's about to be closed, I'd, uh, they went out. I don't know where the men went. Pursue them quickly for you'll overtake them. And so now you guys go out, you guys can go, You guys are going out to search them. See, now you're done. See, it's so easy. <laughs> Perfect. So she said, pursue them quickly for you'll overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof, and she hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof to dry them out. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan River, as far as the fords and fords if you don't know what a ford is and rivers it's kind of hard to cross them it's like a low point where people can cross and so they're they're hoping Ooh, we're going to cut off the spies before they can cross back over for the rest of their army and join the rest of the israelites and so the gate was shut as soon as the soldiers left to pursue them which meant the spies had no way of getting out of the city. so you guys go oh oh gosh you know, you have no way of getting out of the city so you're stuck and before the spies went to sleep for the night Waiting for the gate to reopen in the morning, Rahab came up to them on the roof and said to them, I'm going to give you a little speech, Laurel. Here's your speech. It's kind of long. Uh, Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's scripture, so it's good. (laughs) Oh, maybe I should give you a mic. Ooh, here. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. Very good. I need that back, Thank you. And the spies, how the spies answered her, Our life for yours, even to death, if you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. So they kind of make this oath together. Like Rahab's, like I've taken my life. You know, this is like a big risk to me. And then they make this oath together, like, okay, if you don't tell anybody, you know, we're gonna do this. Uh, we'll, we'll be faithful. And so now remember, the gate was shut, so they couldn't get out. You know, there's the wall, gate shut. But Rahab's house was built into the wall of the city. That's why she's so close to it. She's built into the wall of the city. So she had this window where she could, on the edge, on the outside of the city wall, so she lowers them out through a rope, so you guys get to escape now, through a window of the city. Boom. And so Rahab said to them, Go into the hills, or the soldiers will encounter you, and hide. And now hide in the hills for three days until the soldiers have returned, then afterward you may go go your way. And in the spies you guys can... Oh off all right I guess oh you have more to tell I'm sorry the spies agree to do it Rahab said uh, and they tell her to tie a red cord in the window through which she let them down and they also told her that any family she wants to be safe needs to be in her house and she needs to not tell anyone they're there and Rahab said according to your words so be it then she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window so they went into the hills and waited three days like Rahab said to do and the soldiers didn't find them Then they returned to the Israelite camp reported to Joshua, there's Joshua, there he is, Good job, and they told him everything that had happened, okay, perfect, nice, okay, All right, great, wash your hands now, you touched, okay, perfect, so, a few chapters later, now, okay, so she ties the cord, and uh, that's supposed to be the symbol, like, okay, when we invade this city, this house is safe, and we're not gonna, you know, oh, thanks, Bob, perfect, Okay, assistant. Well, this is so she lets them out. they go back. this cord sim, is supposed to be, okay, don't attack this house. This is the one who helped us. A few chapters later, God tells the people of Israel how they' are to enter Jericho. He tells them march around the city once per day for six days and to have seven priests blow seven trumpets after marching around it. So I mean, imagine Rahab watching this. She's got her little scarlet cord hanging out the window. And she's watching out the wall as this whole army marches around her city. And then at the end they blow these trumpets. And six days go by and she's, I mean, what's she doing? Is she praying? Is she wondering, is this really going to work? Am I going to die? Are they holding up their end of the bargain? And then God says on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. And when the trumpets are blown, all the people are supposed to shout and the walls are just going to fall down flat. I mean, she doesn't know these instructions, but... I wonder what the spies are thinking. Like, She lives in the wall. Is she going to fall down flat too? Is is her house going to collapse? And the people do it, and that's exactly what happens. And the whole city is destroyed, except for Rahab and her family. They come and they join the people of Israel. And so how does James see this story? What does James want us to see in this story? James writes just one verse about Rahab in James chapter 2. Verse 25 and so let's read verses 25 and 26 he says this and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way for as the body apart from the spirit is dead so also faith apart from works is dead for James Rahab is an example of someone for whom faith isn't just talk, her actions speak loudly. When she says she has faith in God, she really means it. And James calls the spies messengers and says that you could see her faith was alive and real and it wasn't just talk when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. James sees Rahab's faith in action when she helped the spies. And actions speak louder than words, but We also need to ask a deeper question. What determines our actions? What does Rahab put her faith in? Why did she decide to do that? You know, it wasn't just like, I have faith in you, God. And then she just, you know, sat there and did nothing. But James says, you could tell she had faith in God by the fact that she received these messengers and helped them. There was like an action associated with it. But what made her put her faith in God? Why did she take these actions? Rahab doesn't know much about God. But she knows enough to place her faith in him. And she tells the spies what she does know. She says in Joshua verses 9 through 11, she says, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. There's no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He's God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. And this is what she knows of God. I mean, she's living, the Israelites were way down in Egypt. She's living in the land of Canaan. She doesn't know anything about their God. But this is what she knows. At the beginning of that little speech, she says, I know the Lord has given you, the people of Israel, the land. And then look at what she says at the end For the Lord your God, He's the God in heavens and on the earth above. In the heavens above and on the earth beneath, your God is that God. And Rahab is a Canaanite. She would have had her own Canaanite religion, you know, the, the religion of her people. She would have had her own Canaanite God that her people believed in. But here she's rejecting that God. She's departing from that religion, departing from the religion of her people. And she's accepting that the Lord is the God of heaven and earth, not her God that she had believed in her whole life. And she also tells the spies how other people are reacting. Everyone else has heard the same stuff that she's heard. She's heard the reports about how God dried up the water of their sea when Israel came out of Egypt, how they defeated the other two kings. And When they heard this, when all the other people heard this, they were afraid, their hearts melted, there was no spirit left in them. Their courage just left them. They are just like, you know, shivering in their, their boots. But what's the difference between everyone else and Rahab? Rahab heard all this, and she responded in faith. She put her trust in God. And how did the rest of Jericho respond? They didn't respond in faith. They prepared to fight. They wanted to try to defend themselves still against God. And the city of Jericho knows what God is capable of, and they're afraid. But they don't place their faith in him in a way that changes their actions. They're still trying to trust in their own abilities. They're still fighting against him. They still want to go on living how they've always lived. And they hear the word about God, but they do nothing about it. They hear this report, they hear this news about him, but they don't change their, their life for him. They try to save themselves from the coming judgment that is coming upon them. And this shows the hardness of the human heart and the stubbornness of humanity, that even in the face of destruction, even in the face of news that, wow, God is coming, this God who they're just trembling at, uh, we'll still just try to save ourselves, we'll still just try to do things our own way, I still just try to be stuck Resisting instead of repenting. We'd rather, do it our way instead of God's way, even if our way is doomed to fail. And Jesus taught whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. And deciding to take in those spies, James is telling us, was this decisive moment in Ra- for Rahab. It shows she had broken ties with the world and attached herself to God. Faith in God meant separation for her from her old religion from her people and her city. I mean, that was a whole decisive break from everything in her past. Like she knew, I'm not going to live here anymore. I'm not going to be part of this religion anymore. She's going to, all these people that she had lived with, her whole people group, all her, the Canaanite people she was a part of, she's now going to join all these people that are totally different from her. She's going to break away from all of them. And it meant risk. Rahab risked her life by taking the spies in. And, I mean, just imagine this, this invading army, and she just totally put her life at risk by helping these spies from an invading army, a different people group, that she took into her home. She hid them and deceived the guards. She risked her life by sending the spies out her window by a rope. Like, what if somebody saw her? What if, you know, there's all these what-ifs she could have taken in. These were works of faith, we're told. They showed that Rahab had put her life in God's hands. And the region of Canaan and the city of Jericho stood under God's judgment. And maybe even Rahab, living in the way she was living as a prostitute, maybe she felt like, you know, I deserve this. I deserve what God is bringing on me. As a citizen of both, Rahab stood under God's judgment. As a citizen of Canaan and of Jericho, she stood under God's judgment, but she experienced salvation and became a part of God's people by faith. She put her life in God's hands when she took in the spies and helped them. And she didn't have double-mindedness with one part of her loyal to the world, one part of her loyal to God. She risked it all and fully put her life in God's hands. And that act of faith is when she found salvation. But the rest of Jericho wasn't willing to do that. They were still fighting against God. And actions speak louder than words, but we also need to ask a deeper question. What determines our actions? Rahab put her life in God's hands, and we don't know what was going through her mind, but we, we might... If we put herself in her shoes, we might be able to imagine what w- would she have been thinking and feeling. She could have been feared all that it might have gone wrong about her plan. What you know, the soldiers who may have not you know, could have not believed her, or ser- you know, or searched more thoroughly throughout her house. Like, okay, I took these spies in. What if the soldiers don't believe me? What if they, what if they search my house more thoroughly? What if when she's letting people out the window, uh, that they see there uh, see me letting these people out the window what if the soldiers find these spies out in the hills and now it's going to all come back on me the spies could have not held up their end of the deal and when the Israelites sieged and attacked the city her house could have been destroyed accidentally or you know somebody just didn't know about the deal and she could have been killed there's just all these things but she put her life in god's hands you know if he's really the god of heaven and earth surely he can keep me safe in all this she put her life in god's hands And these characters we're meeting in this series are in some of the most extreme trials. And you may never be in a situation where, well, I'd imagine you probably won't, but maybe, who knows, where your city is being invaded and you might die because you're hiding some spies. I'd imagine you probably won't be in that situation, but who knows. But the fact that God comes through for Rahab and Abraham in these extreme trials shows us that if God can be trusted in their most extreme trials... He be contrusted in our most extreme trials, and in our small ones, and everything in between. And Rahab put her life in God's hands, and there were circumstances out of her control, all these what-ifs she could have gone through. And there were people who could hurt her, and she had to trust that God was the kind of God who was good enough to be trusted in, big enough to to be in control. And she threw herself on his grace because she's a Canaanite prostitute that doesn't deserve anything from him. And so, you know, what did Rahab know about God? She knew very little about him, and yet she was willing to trust him. And what do we know about God? We have this whole gospel message that we have in the Bible. We have much more that we know about God. And you know, think about Abraham last week, that he was this father who was willing to give up his beloved son. And what do we know in the gospel? We know of our heavenly father, who put his, actually did sacrifice his beloved son on our behalf for the forgiveness of our sins, and then Rahab, who was, you know, put her own life on the line uh, in trust of God. And what do we know in the gospel? That Jesus did put his life uh, on the altar for us and trusted himself to God and gave up his spirit to bring us to God to reconcile us. We have this whole gospel message much more than Rahab had. And so what are your actions saying about what you believe? Our actions speak louder than our words in telling those around us what we believe. And we went over the 4Gs last week, and they help, our, help us see what our actions would be if we believe these truths about God. And we may have many many fork-in-the-road moments with these. Like, in this moment, this is a decisive moment, am I going to believe that God is great so I don't have to be in control? And what would my actions... How would my actions speak loudly that I believe God is great so I don't have to be in control in this moment? Like, what would my actions be saying... If I believe God is great. Or what would my actions be saying. If I believe God is glorious. So I don't have to fear others. What would my actions be. How would my actions say. That I don't fear others. In this moment. You know in the little moments of life. In the big trials. And the little trials. And everything in between. What would my actions. How would my actions speak loudly. That I believe God is good. So I don't have to look for satisfaction elsewhere. How would my actions speak loudly. That I believe God is gracious. So I don't have to prove myself. To God or to others. And we have all these little fork-in-the-road moments or big fork-in-the-road moments. And Ahab had this big one where it's like, okay, invading army, people of God, I've heard all these things about God. What am I going to do? Am I going to have this fork-in-the-road moment? I mean, she knows very little of, you know, truths about God. And if we just take these truths about God, like, what would it look like in my daily life for my actions to speak loudly that I believe these truths about God or that I believe all the other gospel truths that we know? You know, think, you thinking, know, what's out of your control? How can you put, life, put your life in God's hands by believing God is great so you don't have to be in control? Or who are you afraid of? How do you put your life in God's hands uh, by believing he's glorious so you don't have to fear others? And if you're not sure you can trust, you're like, I don't, I don't know if I can put my life in God's hands. Well, God is good. He's the best person to be in control of your life. And you're like, well, I don't know if I deserve any of that. I need to prove myself. I don't deserve anything God gives me. What would it look like to believe God is gracious? You're not trying to prove yourself that you're good enough. And for Rahab, you know, she needed to believe, and we need to believe the gospel message that God's always saying to us: "I'm for you, and I'm with you, and I've got you." And I think Rahab had to believe that. Does God have me here? You know, he's, and she really had to believe. I'm putting my life in your hands. I have to believe you have me. I just you know, imagine like there being like this stool. You know, we've talked about trust falls or. You know, it's like, just imagine there's like this platform up here, and she was just like stepping off of it. It's like, I, got, you know, I just believe you've got me. I'm stepping away from all this, my religion, my people. I'm just putting my life in your hands. I've just got to believe you've got me, and like, you're going to catch me when I'm stepping away from all this stuff. And so what might God be asking you to do that would look foolish if he isn't real? Like, God, if you're not real, if all this stuff isn't true about you, this would just be foolish for me to be doing this. And, you know, that's in the little moments and the big moments of our life. God is for you, and he's with you. What would it look like for you to believe that? You know, God telling you, I'm for you, I'm with you, and I've got you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Rahab's example, for uh, her putting her life in your hands, and that she shows us uh, faith in action, that her actions spoke so loudly when she entrusted herself to you. Would you help us to do that as well?